Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether you're thinking of divorcing your narcissistic spouse, right in the middle of it, or have finalized your divorce, the tactics are the same. If this sounds like you, you need to know about Christine Hammond's new Masterclass series, How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist. In this four-hour video series, Christine Hammond introduces the toxic tactics that narcissists use to abuse, humiliate, and manipulate you, and teaches you exactly how to recognize these tactics and navigate through them with mastery and confidence. How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist is a deep dive, a masterclass that'll show you how narcissists use tactics like bait and switch, scare tactics, roller coaster ride, and child's play. It's How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist, a four-hour recorded video masterclass with Christine Hammond. For more information or to purchase today, just go to growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. That's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This masterclass will change your life. Again, that's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This is Understanding Today's Narcissist. Brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. And now here's your host, Christine Hammond. Today I want to talk about something that we don't generally talk about, but it should be talked about a little bit more. And I'm going to title this Obsessed, Narcissist and Their Food. So it might not be something that you've come across before. Um, or as soon as I say that, you might be like, what? Is there something about this? I just thought they were just being odd or different or OCD about their food. No, no, no. There really is something here to narcissists and their food. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I'm going to explain it through um, Tabitha. So it wasn't until... Tabitha had a dinner at a friend's house as a teenager that she actually realized there was something odd about how her family handled food. At a friend's house, there was food with a variety of healthy and even some unhealthy snacks. Her mom didn't have a lock on, quote, the special food, so no one else could have access to it but her. Their mealtime was actually engaging and fun, Um, with everyone participating in the conversation. There were no snide remarks about eating too much or being forced to eat seconds. It was actually a really enjoyable experience for her. That's kind of when Tabitha was like, huh, this is very different. But it wasn't until years later when Tabitha realized that her mom was narcissistic. Still, she didn't make any connection between narcissism and food until she had her own family meals. 
And then it struck her. Her mom's narcissism translated into this unhealthy obsession with food. This explains so much about Tabitha's own anxious journey with food, even to the extent that she had suffered from eating disorders as a, as a teenager. The unhealthy food rules that she grew up with were an extension of her mother's controlling and manipulative behavior. Yes, this is a real thing. I have seen it in more than one client. So I'm going to talk about the 14 different ways that I have actually seen this. So take a deep breath and just listen. Starting with number one, the big one, food management. Tabitha's mom disliked fish, so she refused to serve it, even though everyone else in the family loved it. Her mom's food likes and dislikes dominated the menu. If she didn't like something, then it wasn't to be served at all. This even included when somebody else would be making the meal in the house. So it wasn't just when she was making the meal. It was when anybody was making the meal or serving it. If she didn't like something, it wasn't to be served. That's number one, food management. Number two, food supremacy. Perhaps the oddest realization for Tapatha was that her mom expected that she would always be served the best and or largest portion of the food. Even if she didn't eat all of it, she still demanded the best and largest. Whether she cooked the food or not, her mom demanded that she had the first pick because she was to be held in this high regard and she used food as a way of demonstrating that she was above everyone else. That is food supremacy. Number three, food as power. One morning, Tabitha's dad surprised the family by making a large pancake breakfast. Tabitha's mom took one look at the meal with disgust on her face and started making herself eggs. When confronted, she said she didn't like being told what to eat. Understand that Tabitha's mom had eaten pancakes umpteen times before, but she doesn't like the idea of somebody else telling her what she can and can't eat, and so she uses food as power. It's a power play for her. Number four, food as entitlement. Even when Tabitha's family was a guest at somebody else's house, her mom would find something wrong with the food being served. She doesn't like the cheese, and therefore she can't eat the lasagna meal. Then she would expect an additional meal to be prepared especially for her. When you start listening to this and you hear this, I just want you to remember, these are all taken from true stories of people that I have worked with or that I have actually experienced myself. So that is food as entitlement. If they don't like something, even when they're at someone else's house, they demand special treatment. Number five, food as control. During family meals, Tabitha's mom would scold her for eating too much and then make fun of her for asking for seconds. But when company came over, her mother would demand that everyone have seconds or else she wouldn't believe that they actually liked her food. And she would badger them until they actually took the seconds. 
It was a way of controlling what other people were doing. That is food as control. Number six, food and appearance. To make matters worse, Tabitha's mom would look at what she was eating and actually make a comment like this. You're not going to eat that, are you? You know how easily you gain weight. She did this even when Tabitha was struggling with her eating disorder of anorexia and was noticeably thin at the time. So Tabitha's mom actually did food and appearance where she used that as just another mechanism for control and manipulation. Number seven, food arrogance. Growing up, Tabitha's dad did a lot of the family cooking. One, on one occasion, after he prepared the meal and it was ready to be served, her mom would take a phone call and actually hold up the enti- when the family ate. One night, the whole family sat at the table for over an hour waiting for their mom, just staring at the food. So mealtimes were not a good time. They were times for Tabitha of when her mom demanded still to be the center of attention and held everybody else up so that she could be at the table, even though by that time the food was very cold. That's food arrogance. Number eight, food as a stage. Tabitha could not remember a family mealtime that was not dominated by her mother talking about herself and her work. There were no questions about Tabitha's day, and if she did manage to chime in, her mother would give her the death stare, then ignore her or talk on top of her and change the subject back to whatever it was that she wanted to talk about. So there was no good family conversation that went around as mealtime. Food became a stage. Mealtime was a stage from which her mother got to perform. Number nine, food snobbery. There were only a handful of restaurants that Tabitha's mom would agree to. There was about four of them. Looking back, Tabitha realized that these establishments actually treated her like a queen, giving her the best place to sit in the restaurant every time she showed up. This explained her high tolerance for the average food that actually came at a very high price. So even though the place was expensive and the food wasn't that great, because the mother was treated like a queen, that was a place that they could go. And they couldn't go to any other place or, for that matter, try out a new restaurant. Those things were unacceptable. Number 10, food expectations. Tabitha's mom would openly complain if the food was not to her liking, whether it was at her home, at a friend's house, or even in public. Worse yet, she would then make fun of what she called food ignorance for their lack of adequate preparation. The irony of all of this was that her mom wasn't even a good cook, but she definitely had high expectations and demanded that everybody else live up to her arbitrary standards that she herself couldn't even live up to. Number 11, food as attention. When her mom did cook, she demanded excessive amounts of appreciation during the meal and after the meal. If she didn't get enough gratitude, 
then she would passively aggressively say, you didn't like my cooking. I work so hard. How come you don't like it? You must not like me. And on and on it would go. That is using food as attention. She used it as a way to gain attention for herself. Number 12, food superiority. For a couple of years, Tabitha's mom became a vegetarian. During that time, no meal was allowed in the house and everyone was expected to eat the way that she did. When they ordered a meal from a restaurant, she would talk about how they were supporting, when they ordered meat from a restaurant, she would actually talk about how they were supporting the killing of animals. Now, her mom's vegetarianism didn't last very long, but when it did, she expected everybody else to fall in line with what her standards were and what it was and what she demanded. Number 13, food as punishment. When Tabitha was little, her mom used to punish her by saying that she wasn't allowed to eat dinner. If she was still angry in the morning, her mom would make her go to school without any breakfast. There were many days when Tabitha would go without any food at all, which of course contributed greatly to her eating disorder later on. That's food as punishment. Last but not least, Food as a possession. After a night out with friends, Tabitha brought home some of her leftover dinner. It was from an expensive restaurant that she had spent weeks saving up her money so she could go. The next morning, she discovered that her mom ate her food. When confronted, her mom's attitude was, what's yours is mine. However, what was her mom's was only her mom's. And if Tabitha were to eat any of her mother's leftover, leftovers, it, there would be severe consequences and punishment for it. That was food as a possession. So it's really not hard to see how Tabitha came to view food as a weapon of control from her mom and where her anxiety and eating disorder actually stem from. Her mom used food to manipulate others to demand attention, to dominate her family, and to justify her own selfishness. Now, as a mom herself, Tabitha made a concerted effort not to repeat any of the unhealthy patterns of food preparation and consumption. Took her a little bit of time to undo some of this, but she was able to undo it. And her mealtimes are more like what she experienced at a friend's house, there are enjoyable and pleasurable times. So if this has been something that you have kind of wondered about and you were curious, like how does this relate? Look back in your own life and see when you were dealing with a narcissist, if there was some weird food habits and behaviors, especially around mealtime, and work really hard to get rid of that because their rules are not necessarily the right rules for how you should see food. Thanks for listening to Understanding Today's Narcissist with Christine Hammond. Brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. For more information, visit GrowWithChristine.com.
produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.